This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with the other person who is on this podcast and the other person who lives in this home. It's Sarah Scrimshaw. Hello. Hello. I try not to ask, how are you? So instead, I'm going to ask if you could see any wild animal wearing a large festive sweater. What animal would you like to see wearing a sweater? Ooh, you know, my instinct is polar bear. <laughs> but I think that's because we see images of polar bears wearing a large festive sweater. Yeah, like and isn't their fur kind of just a festive sweater itself? It is. It is. And I was going to say, I, I would like to see an elk wearing Ooh. a large festive sweater, although their <laughs> fur is also kind of, a you know, sweater-like. Yeah. But I stand by it. I want to see an elk wearing a large festive sweater. Okay, so... <laughs> Uh, how many uh, sleeves would it have? Two or four? <laughs> um, individual preference. <laughs> it's up to the elk. There you go, elks. Make your decision. <laughs> anyway, we are here. We are back and excited to talk about a movie we saw kind of recently and yet also kind of not. <laughs> uh, we uh, we missed a week, but uh, in our previous week, we had an obsessed just generally about Spider-Man in anticipation of seeing the big movie Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, We went and saw it. I think maybe the biggest spoiler is we both really liked it. We want to dive into the movie a little bit of uh, why we enjoyed it. Uh, We always want to have uh, some caveats. Our first caveat is that uh, this is a spoiler-filled review, so if you have not seen the movie yet or don't want to know things, uh, this is not the podcast for you. <laughs> We're going to be spoiling things left and right. Uh, another caveat we always like to share is that we only saw the movie once, uh, try to review and uh, make some notes and all that, but this is not a review coming from a place of we have seen it four times and I can tell you which frame <laughs> this incident happens in. Do you have other caveats there yeah my other caveat is that um it has been a a little while i don't i don't know how time works anymore a week a week and a half i think it's been like a week and a half maybe two weeks not quite two weeks yet because it was a friday yeah so not quite two weeks yet and yet it seems like one million thousand years ago yeah there have been a lot of things since then so not only did we only see it once it was uh ten thousand things ago that we saw it (laughs) Yeah. So I want to ask you for your perception that uh, obviously time has just been moving weird all throughout the pandemic and we're dealing with another surge and that messes with our our time frame. We're in that uh, time between in the U.S. uh, in particular between Christmas and New Year's, which is often joked about as the what day is it even week, this weird time frame. Are you does it feel like a long time because of that or because of the amount of other media we've watched? Both. Um, I'd say having had uh, Christmas in, since then is like, okay, we've had Christmas. We've watched other media, both. <laughs> this uh, was a Christmas ago. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but it kind of feels like it to me at least. Right. Because it, it's at least the way that you and I have had our holidays. We kind of go into holiday mode and watch only holiday movies. And it's a whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. And and there have been other things that we've been watching um, small screen, large screen, on our screen. <laughs> Screens of all sizes yeah. everywhere. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's it's a little bit of everything. Yeah. I think for me, the other thing that all makes perfect sense. The other thing that I'm just sort of marveling at and struggling with a little bit is uh, how fast the conversation moves. Because mm. Spider-Man No Way Home came out. Uh, we were really busy in that week uh, uh, in between that and the holidays. And then it was the holidays. 
and I was like, but I want to talk about this. I'm obsessed. I like this movie so much. I want to hear your thoughts. Uh, and it feels like the conversation moves so fast. Um, we saw Matrix Resurrection since then, which I also really liked. And I was like, maybe we'll just skip Spider-Man and <laughs> talk about Matrix. And now, uh, you know, Book of Boba Fett just came out. And uh, everybody's talking about this other movie, Don't Look Up, that uh, premiered on Netflix. And a part of that is like, oh, there's just there's a lot of storytelling right now. It's the way the entertainment business is right now. With If you're going to have all these streaming uh, services, you need content. So keep it moving. But Spider-Man No Way Home is without exaggeration one of the largest films ever made right it mm-hmm. isn't like eh, yeah people kind of stopped talking about the eternals because yeah the eternals did great but not the same as a normal mcu movie but it broke box office records during a pandemic it was a absolute huge sensation how can it feel less than two weeks ago like eh, we've already turned the page on that movie yeah and I'm just going to say from um, from my perspective, which is very limited in-person interactions with people at work, I don't spend that much time on social media. And I feel like the in-person conversations, um, Spider-Man is still part of. Okay, like, good. Like, hey, have you seen that? No, not yet. Oh, yes, I have. Oh, I don't want to hear spoilers. Oh, have you seen Matrix? Like, it's within, you know, people are talking about Matrix Resurrections, talking about other things that are coming out, have come out. Um, but I feel like it's not quite as gone yet maybe this week but but not really i feel like it's still come up a few times this week yeah i mean Um, it's certainly not gone from the box office you're right it did quite well in its second weekend yeah again during a pandemic yeah 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 but i absolutely hear you and i i just say that from from my perspective that i don't feel like it's as gone but i do not um spend as much time on those places uh social media and kind of um you know news article reporting places <laughs> yeah well thank you for the real world perspective because i'm not getting out and having as much a real world talk and i am a little bit more influenced by how fast the uh, social media world spins and the pop culture coverage and a lot mm-hmm. of people i'm sure would be happy to still talk about spider-man but you know a lot of people i know who are in pop culture coverage like well we have to move on <laughs> right they put out three more things Right. It's not the latest story. Yeah, it is not mm-hmm. the latest story. So I'm really excited uh, to take a step back, get in, in tune with the real world instead of the social media <laughs> world, and talk all about Spider-Man No Way Home. So let's just dive into the very big picture. What was your overall reaction to this movie? Yeah, uh, it was, holy cow, I loved it. <laughs> um And if I may go on just a tiny bit more. Yeah, please do. Yeah, I went into it knowing next to nothing about what was coming. So I hadn't seen spoilers. I hadn't seen, you know, the majority of the um, the previews or the trailers that were coming out. So to me, it was just this, in addition to loving the story and so many aspects of it, which we'll talk about more, yes. I'm sure, <laughs> but also just this continual, um, like, ongoing like snowball going down the hill uh the side of a mountain like just with like and then this and then this and then this and i felt like a kid in a candy shop oh that is so great to hear yeah i wanted to ask you about that specifically because that was such a great um experience for me i don't i know i didn't pull up the trailer and have you watch it because again me being uh, much more online than you and having to be a part of my kind of uh life and job uh i see all the trailers and it's, if there's one that i know you that you would like to see sometimes I show it to you, but it's been fun lately sometimes when you're like, yeah, no, I didn't even know it came out. I didn't see it. 
Uh, and I, I don't think I made a point of having you watch Spider-Man No Way Home. So I think you maybe didn't even see a trailer. Did you even know Doctor Strange was going to be in it? That's the one thing that I feel like I wonder if I saw maybe an early trailer or okay. something. because I Or a poster? I, a, yeah, I had forgotten. Okay. So as soon as he came in, I was like, oh, yeah, right. I do remember this. So I feel like maybe I saw something with a tiny bit of Doctor Strange. Yeah. But that was it. Yeah. I think for me, I'm going to ask you some more follow-up questions, but I just want to throw out my overall big picture thing. I really loved it. I thought it fit in perfectly with the trilogy of Tom Holland MCU uh, Spider-Man movies. Uh, When we did our discussion, our previous episode just about being obsessed with Spider-Man in general, I think for myself, I really defined, I really like that Spider-Man is this mix of comedy and tragedy, that Spider-Man is a character who often uses wit and charm to kind of keep himself going, and he is genuinely a friendly, curious, kind person, uh, but his life is just fraught with tragedy. Uh, And this movie was like, oh, did you think Spider-Man was a combination of comedy and tragedy? Here you go, because... (laughs) It was so funny. Uh, It had so many great beats uh, of comedy and levity, and it had such brutal things happening to the characters in such brutal stakes. It it went to such a dark place, several dark places, in order to have that just beautiful feeling of, uh, but there are people who care about you to lift you up in that great combination of uh, tragedy and comedy in terms of literal laughs, but comedy and also just like much more classical definition of like it's a celebration it's something to lift you up Mm -hmm. uh yeah so i loved it really big picture there um i want to ask you about this in particular uh because you had this great experience of you didn't know that the old enemies from the previous films were going to show up you didn't know once again spoilers uh that (laughs) andrew garfield spider-man and toby mcguire spider-man were going to show up so for you, just watching the film, uh, did that land with emotional weight because of the story, or did or did you get did you stay in the story, or were you like, wow, what corporate synergy, or wow, what nostalgia? What was your emotional reaction to oh. those to the enemies and the uh, other Spider Mans entering this story? Yeah, yeah, that's such a great question. I think it was really for me, it was very emotional. Mm-hmm. You know, I I tend to watch things like this with um, both feet in. And so I'm there for the story. I'm there in the story. Um, I might be thinking about it after the fact, but usually I'm pretty good, especially one like this that just is so, um, for me, brought me so into it. There was no, there is no thinking about like, oh, what was the reasoning behind this? It was just like, yes, I'm here. <laughs> yes, what? Look at that. This works. This works. Wow. Yeah. So like when you uh, realize that like you didn't watch the trailer because it's in the trailer. Doc Ock is in the trailer. Mm. Green Goblin is in the trailer. That All the enemies were in the trailers. The enemies were known. Uh, it had been rumored and desired forever that the Spider-Mans, the other Spider-Mans would be in it. To the point where some people were annoyed that they weren't in the last trailer uh, <laughs> because they're you know trying to preserve the surprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Doc Ock popped up and you realized that's Dr. Octopus from that other Spider-Man series. Well, I, I'm just curious, like you made a noise next to me, which was great. It was amazing. So many people in the theater made noises and some <laughs> of it was, I think, was absolute uh, joy at seeing them again. But there were some noises that definitely seemed like surprise. And I don't have that perspective of surprise, so I'm so curious. 
what that feeling of surprise was for you. Yeah, well, I have the double benefit, as people who listen to this probably have picked on, up on, is that I um, am just kind of um, spottily forgetful sometimes about what I remember from different movies. Okay. So while I absolutely remembered the the character of Doc Ock, I, when he first appeared, I had that like, huh, like, is this, I think, I think that's the same actor, but is this, what, I wonder where they're going with this. Like, <laughs> like it did not, it did not um, gel in my mind yet that okay. it was from another universe. Like, I just hadn't connected those dots yet. So I was yeah. just like, oh, interesting. Like, this, this is really fun, but okay, what, what am I going to find out that I should have already picked up on kind of yeah. feeling? Yeah. Um, for for me, it was Green Goblin showing up. Okay, um, which is such an iconic. But I still had that moment of like, wait, what? How? How? They weren't in this world yet, and it, <laughs> it took me that minute to kind of like, oh. So that, but then you were along with the story then, because yeah. you're with the other characters, because you know, uh, MCU Spider Man and Ned and and MJ are like, what's the deal with it? You're from where? You did what with who? Like, what's your deal? And then you you took what drug and killed who? Like. It, so you were kind of on board with them of like getting the reminder from the story. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and certainly with some of them that I didn't remember as well. And then I feel like I was there with the story, you know, with Peter, with Dr. Strange, like, oh, what actually happened here? And what have we opened? Yeah. And who is responsible and what is our yeah. responsibility and what should be done about this? And yeah, all that. Yeah. That... I mean, I didn't think it was my responsibility. <laughs> I, I wasn't that far with them. <laughs> well, I mean, that's part of the reason I'm asking these questions, because uh, some uh, critics of the movie do think it's our responsibility as a culture that we're overly obsessed with nostalgia. So that's part of the reason that I really wanted to ask you from the perspective of somebody who recognizes some of these characters. But you're not like, I have Spider-Man tattoos. I You, you don't go online and argue about, is Tobey Maguire better than Andrew Garfield? Like, you've seen these movies, most of them, <laughs> mm-hmm. but you don't have that investment that some people have where, like, these movies were central to their childhood. So there is a huge nostalgia pop. You yeah. were just watching it as a story, right? Oh, absolutely. And I feel like I do have some nostalgia pop for um, the Tobey Maguire. For Tobey Maguire yep. himself, yeah. Yep, for that, that version of Spider-Man. But no, certainly not in the same way that you're describing with... I don't have any deep, dark... I, deep attachment, I don't remember deep how... Dark. To, deep, dark, or deep light. I don't know. Deep. I have a uh, deep light attachment. <laughs> it's a magic spell in D&D for sure. There we go, deep light. Um, I also... It just you know sometimes i'm like okay which which film was that in so um yeah so i was there watching it for the story and uh and i have a lot of thoughts about how i think it fits together but i think we'll get there in a yeah we will but i just kind of wanted to, to have this conversation first i think for me uh there is a it, there's an undeniable just sort of financial power to it mm-hmm. because it's basically a couple generations people who grew up with the Tobey Maguire films, people who grew up with the Andrew Garfield films, they mean a lot to people. Spider-Man is a is a powerful character, I think, because he has the every person perspective and Into the Spider-Verse and other comic books have really doubled down on the like anybody can wear the mask. So I think he's a character that you can really relate to, really project to. He's a character you often go through the incredibly awkward parts of growing up. So I think it really makes sense that a lot of people have imprinted very very strongly so it's a personal thing it's not just i like that movie i rank it the highest it's personal to some people Mm -hmm. so there is an 
undeniable power that that is a part of the reason people are screaming for Andrew Garfield and Toby Toby McGuire, and I absolutely felt that for myself the the nostalgia power of Toby McGuire because those films, particularly one and two, meant a lot to me. As I was saying on the our previous episode, those were some of the first films where I felt like those are the birthplace of MCU to me, where that is the character I know from the comic books mm-hmm. for sure. Um, so there was a huge amount of it that was just like, I can't believe I'm seeing Tobey Maguire. But when I think about it, everything that's moving about it to me is what's happening in the story. That it's older uh, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man who's been through this and is still just trying to find a way to be the best Peter Parker he can. Mm-hmm. That's what gave it actual emotional weight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, let's, uh, I want to ask you also about this element of it, of we saw it in, uh, a big theater, um, saw it at, uh, Grauman's, uh, Chinese theater, uh, and it was, uh, quite full. <laughs> I kept my mask on the whole time. No popcorn mm-hmm. for me. Um, and it was an experience like I've had with maybe Force Awakens, uh, Endgame, Black Panther, of feeling like this is not just a movie, this is an event, this is an explosion of not only joy, but like people losing it when Aunt May was clearly in danger. It was mm-hmm. such an interactive experience. For you, what is the what is the value of that? Do you enjoy that? Oh my goodness, yes. I love it. Um, especially for something like Spider-Man, which does have that kind of power, similar to the other movies that you just listed. I feel like to me, that's part of the experience of that's part of why I want to go right when it opens. Yeah. You know, it's also just to see it, but it's also to to have that experience of going into this big, large room together with most of us with their masks on, hopefully, Um, and having that that feeling of hearing, you know, being able to have your own expressions of joy or sorrow or laughter, but also hearing what is affecting other people and having that communal experience is um, really, it amps it up. It, it more than makes up for the lines of dialogue that you missed the first time around <laughs> uh, because you get to have that shared experience. Yeah, that should definitely be a caveat that you added of the first three lines Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire said, no idea what they are no. because the the screams, the bellows <laughs> were so loud, myself included. I just find that so joyful. And I really do understand the concern of like, we can't have all stories that are uh, that that are referring back to other stories. I mean, a lot of uh, critics have expressed that, like, pop culture is eating itself. That's a refrain that's been going on uh, for decades, that the phrase pop culture will eat itself is eating itself. Um, so I get that concern. But sitting in that room where people were so filled with joy, and especially <laughs> during these times when, you know, uh, joy is, uh, it's hard to come by, mm-hmm. and especially in a communal setting. And it's, for me, this was like the real, I, I haven't done a big, I haven't been out in the world since then, because that was the last thing where it's like, oh, no, I see uh, this, we're having a surge. Great. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was also like one of the last big um, events where I've got to have a communal experience, and it felt so great to have a communal experience, such a huge amount of joy. And to me, it wasn't sitting in that room with all those other human beings. I didn't feel the joy was. I recognize that. It was 
this perfectly wonderful human thing that should happen with art of Andrew Garfield's performance as an awkward teen Spider-Man meant a lot to me. That art connected with me. And now I'm seeing that art validated and re-examined. And everyone in that movie theater was invested in the story. The noises they were making were not just about the nostalgia. They were about the events that were happening in the narrative. It was the presence of these things that make people scream of Andrew Garfield and Tommy McGuire, uh, maybe kind of on, on corked the emotion, mm-hmm. but the emotion was there for the entire narrative. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So, I, yeah go, please go ahead. No, I was just going to say kind of about the nostalgia factor. And I feel like the, um, you know, the story, this story would not have, would they would not have been able to tell this story without those other movies existing. Yeah. And the having bringing in the different um, the multiverse the way they did allowed this story to be so rich and so deep in a way that it was, um, I think, felt on so many different levels for different people, um, both within the film and for those of us watching it, uh, that would not have been possible in that way without it. Yeah. And and to me, in terms of, you know, kind of the pop culture eating itself i feel it or folding in on itself or whatever (laughs) making a fold over sandwich yeah in its own web um i feel like yeah like if suddenly every spider-man movie involves the other's previous spideys yeah that's that's a problem people won't scream if it's like yeah no the three spider-men are together again it's the fifth movie where they're together again yeah people might like the movies but they're not it's not going to be that explosion of joy exactly Exactly. Because, um, but with this one, this was unheard of. And, you know, I I have a sometimes a good capacity for suspension of disbelief. Even with all of the villains there, it never occurred to me <laughs> that the Spideys would be there. I think you said what? I, like, yeah. Because, I, I mean, I there's a chorus of noise. You're like, what? Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I I really did, even when they were opening the portal and peter parker was there and then he goes not our peter parker still didn't believe it yeah did not believe it (laughs) andrew garfield walks in joins it i figured there's no i was like wow that is amazing yeah that is that is like the end right there (laughs) and then they like no way i was i did not think even after Andrew Garfield was on stage that they would bring Tobey Maguire yeah. back. Yeah, <laughs> on then, stage. <laughs> we saw a musical version. Uh, sorry, everybody. Yeah, just to be clear. <laughs> and so the fact that, um, and not only that, but then that they brought them back, like you were saying earlier, where they are in their stories as um, kind of allowing the actors to age mm-hmm. um, and allowing those stories to age and their experiences within their universes to continue brought such rich and depth um and you know more that we'll talk about yeah but to it that i um just am underlining and exclamation pointing and highlighting and exuberant dancing over here yeah uh, agreement that yeah it was worth it yeah i think i you know picked up some cultural clues uh or, or instructions in my youth for various reasons that one doesn't be too loud in public it's part of the reason i liked being a performer of like ah on stage, I have official permission to be loud. It is the <laughs> point. Um, 
so there's something extra joyful to me about just letting your joy ring out. And I honestly think that um, that kind of explosion can only happen. It can't be manufactured. It is built over time. You know, screaming for Harrison Ford is was built over time mm-hmm. as Han Solo, right? Oh, yeah. Um, and this, hey, after years of debating which one's the best, <laughs> Spider-Man, they're all working together, you know, uh, through the maze of time and corporate uh, <laughs> fighting. Mm-hmm. They're all together. That yeah, can only be so manufactured. It has to kind of be built by time and cultural response. So I think that's the final thing I want to say about that is I think it's going to be rare. I don't mm-hmm. think you can just kind of manufacture that. It just kind of has to happen and build. Yeah. And I don't know the next time that I'm going to see a movie that's going to have that kind of power mm-hmm. that uh, Force Awakens or in Endgame did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's dive into then uh, some of the big ideas in the movie. Yeah. So uh, one that is, uh, I don't know if you picked up on this. It was it was uh, blatantly said <laughs> by a character and is a famous catchphrase in our entire culture. Uh, With great power comes great responsibility. Oh, yeah, that one. Uh, but one of the ways that I, uh, some of the ways that I thought this was really uh, interesting in the film, um, that traditionally that is something that uh, Spider-Man learns from his Uncle Ben. Uh, but in the MCU, Spider-Man said kind of a version of it to Iron Man in uh, a civil war because like he's like when well when you have abilities like i do it really it seems like you got to use them and it's like a thing that kind of tony stark needs to hear in the moment too that he's hearing from this kid so there's been a version of it in my opinion i'm deeply paraphrasing uh but in this film tom holland mcu spider-man is blatantly encouraged by his aunt may to use his power not just to stop the villains but to help them you know she literally says the phrase with great power comes great responsibility but a lot of the plot is motivated by the idea that she is a person who has dedicated her life to helping people mm-hmm. and really, really means this from lived experience. Uh, the other Spider-Man in the movie, Spider-Mans, uh, reflected they also learned this exact lesson, those exact words uh, through the loss of their Uncle Ben that they could have averted. Uh, Spidey's motivation at the end for the spell, uh, well, actually, no, Spidey's motivation at the very beginning for the spell to make people forget he's Spider-Man is to fix his friends' ruined lives, which I really uh, appreciated because in the in the trailers, it was a little ambiguous. It seemed maybe like this was a story about him being a little selfish. And mm-hmm. you could make an argument he's being selfish, but what really motivates him is seeing that Ned and MJ aren't going to get to have the lives that they wanted, right? Mm-hmm. So he is feeling like I, I have this, you know, my power has affected them negatively. I have this responsibility to fix this. And in contrast to all of these arguments about uh, using your power to help other people. Uh, Goblin, uh, Osborne, argues that power is meant to be used to get what you want. And Peter Parker is weak because he is always trying to figure out how can I live in both worlds? How can I be Spider-Man and use my power, uh, y- you know, embrace the responsibility of my power by using it to help people, but then also have people in my life who are not damaged or affected by the fact that I'm spider-man and green goblin's like ah just take what you want (laughs) otherwise you're a weakling so what was your do you have any initial thoughts just on that and then i have some specific questions um that was a lot i let's just dive right into the specific questions fair enough fair enough (laughs) so do you think that aunt may was right in the arguments that she was making 
in the film. Did you agree with her, or did you want uh, uh, Spidey to send the villains away to their possible doom? Because j- just review that mm-hmm. that hinge specifically being that uh, Norman Osborn comes to her shelter, her advocacy center, where that's what she does. She helps people, and she doesn't see him as a supervillain. She sees him as another person who needs help. Mm-hmm. And it puts this great pressure on Peter Parker because everything he's always trying to do is keep the people in his life safe. But he has taken this risk of putting uh, all the people he cares about in proximity to people who have violent pasts. But Aunt May is making this argument that you gotta try to help them. It is worth it. Everybody deserves uh, a second chance. You could just hit this button and they would go, all go back to the moment of their deaths where other versions of you killed them in combat. Mm-hmm. But you, it is worth everything. It is worth even the risk of my life, Aunt May says, to give people another chance. You have that responsibility because you have the power. You have the power to possibly help them. So it is your responsibility to try, mm-hmm. even at the risk of my safety. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with Aunt May? Or do you think <laughs> Aunt May was wrong and the whole film is garbage? <laughs> I'm joking with the second half of the question, but I'm just really interested in, in how you felt about all that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's a, re- to me, it was an interesting, uh, different from what I've seen or what I remember. Um, approach to that question because yes we all hear the phrase we all know it and it's it's often shown in a much more black and white setting Mm -hmm. and I thought that this one was interesting because it was like okay here's the gray but is it actually gray and you're supposed to help so you still help even when it's gray yeah and and I thought it was a really interesting um, exploration of that uh, in particular with the um, Osborne character, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, he's the one who kind of starts that with her, obviously, of coming into the um, the place for help, yeah, and and kind of his own, you know, back and forth of when he's being kind of possessed by Green Goblin versus trying not to be. Yeah, I'm sure there's all sorts of canon that I'm stepping all over, no. but that's what I'll say. Um, yeah, so I found it a very interesting idea and and i'll be honest like at first i was like okay yeah no he should he should try to help but then as soon as he kind of turned back toward green goblin i was like nope 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 (laughs) but you know we all learned our lessons i'm my i will say i learned my lesson with the fact that he was able to help um i don't remember any of their actual names but the one person that he was able to help first uh doc ock doc octavius yes there we go that's his real name. Similar. Still <laughs> Doc Ock. Um, and it, that he was him being able to help him then in the end did come back uh, to help save them. Right. Right. And, yeah. And kind of that you never know when what you're going to do. And I thought it was a really interesting twist on um, some of the versions with Uncle Ben, you know, of not helping others, then leading to catastrophe. For yourself. And tragedy yeah. for yourself. This one did also lead to tragedy uh, with Aunt May, but then also did lead to um, some uh, benefit as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think what was really effective about it to me is that the Uncle Ben story has been great since it started of he, he Peter Parker is young and selfish and doesn't stop a burglar because it's not his problem and that burglar kills his Uncle Ben. And yeah, that has always been there with great power comes great responsibility. You know, you never know uh, uh, what's going to happen next. You have to use your your power to help people. Mm -hmm. But 
uh, I got teary eyed with Aunt May because it was giving her the power of that official line, that mm-hmm. iconic line. But also, like, Uncle Ben's always been portrayed as, like, he's a, a kindly, you know, everyday guy trying to do his best, you know, uh, just kind mentor figure. But the fact that she's been built up, this ver- version of Aunt May of, like, this is what she does for a living. Mm-hmm. It's not a random philosophy. It is her life perspective that she is following through on and to just sort of totally shift the narrative from that's Norman Osborne. That's Willem Dafoe. He's <laughs> he often <laughs> plays very scary people and he's being very scary right now, even when he's pretending to be sad. He's very scary and we can all see it. And to just have this character just puncture all of that and go forget all of that. He is a person in need. Mm-hmm. And Peter, are you sending him away to his death because you really think it's the best and the safest? Or would it be the best for you? Like, I'm paraphrasing, but she asked that directly. Right. And I felt like, all right, Aunt May, you got me. Right. <laughs> like me as a person, right? Because there are times where you can kind of talk yourself into like, I don't want to do this scary or sad or, you know, upsetting thing. And the, and the reason is I, I don't want to do it. Uh, and I can come up with some valid concerns and they sound valid but the truth is it's because I don't want to do it Mm -hmm. you know and I feel like that was really powerful in this version of the with great power comes great responsibility story Mm -hmm. yeah yeah absolutely and I feel like it's also um, underlined when we get later in the story to um, trying to come up with the the antidotes and the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man comments that he's had a long time to think about this one mm-hmm. really showing to me how much uh osborne's death weighed on him yeah um understandably and and so it really does show like okay yeah no this is he was the one who was in that moment and how many times has he relived it and wished that he had a different um, option. Yeah, that he had found a different or way. Had found a different way. Yeah, and it's not like he is super responsible. It is, you know, the uh, Osborne trying to to kill Spider Man while also yep. pretending to be his friend. <laughs> yeah, and Spidey just jumps out of the way. But it's still that like, but could I have done anything? Mm-hmm. Oh man, I I wish I could have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think there's just a, a great power in that. Uh, then at the end, we discuss this a little bit in real life, but I'm excited to discuss it with you on a podcast. Oh my! So at the end of the movie, uh, Spider-Man, uh, MCU Spider-Man, makes the sacrifice that this uh, rift in reality can be fixed uh, if everyone uh, forgets that he exists, even his loved ones. Uh, he tells this to MJ and Ned. He gets to say goodbye. Uh, MJ and Ned ask to be reminded <laughs> who he is mm-hmm. to have that reconnection happen. Uh, But when Spidey sees that their lives have course corrected, his original goal, which is to have them have a bright future and be able to go to the colleges they want and not be at constant risk because he is in their lives. Uh, He sees that that has happened for them. Uh, Spider-Man chooses not to uh, tell them about who he really is and and their past relationships. Is this uh, with great power comes great responsibility? Is this a, selfless choice is this a fair one where do you go with this yeah i'm 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 so torn and waffly on this one um i i think actually in uh i'm gonna think out loud about this one i think in some ways it does line up with the with great power comes great responsibility you know because he he goes he sees them they're both in the uh the donut shop and is he's got his uh speech all set for mj Mm mm-hmm 
Um, and I feel like he, here's my interpretation. Here's my headcanon. We'll yeah. see where it goes. I don't feel like he has decided I'm definitely not telling them. Right. I feel like he has decided coming into these, the lives of these people who have complete lives that are going the way we wanted all of our lives to go. But now because I'm out of the picture, they are there. Uh, MJ and Ned's lives are able to move forward. I'm not going to just come in and throw a grenade that is a really hard one to kind of comprehend and be like, wait, what? And what's this? And we knew and now what part of our lives are different? I kind of take it that he's he's going to go back to that shop. He's going to keep buying coffee. He's <laughs> going to, you know, get to have a conversation about Ned. I did feel bad that he didn't talk to Ned. Mm. That actually was even more than um, not giving them the full like, this is who I am. But I feel like coming and being like, hi, here's everything about me is also maybe not the way to go about it. And so I feel like that kind of let me get back in. Let me get to know you, this version of you, and leave the door open to tell you as you asked me to. Yeah. I feel like he is taking the path of responsibility. Uh, I think that's great. I think there is definitely he has that moment of connection with with MJ where mm-hmm. they kind of have a, a human moment at first. You sort of like, you're, you're kind of weird. What What's your deal? But then they have that moment of connection. And it feels like that door is open. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, what I really love about it is I don't think for me, it is clear cut. And this is what is compelling about Spider-Man is there are these ideas that to me are like purely virtuous of like, Hey, yeah, it, there's a, a robber and you have the power to stop them and just stop them. Mm-hmm. And that's nice and clear cut, right? Right. Uh, but then it's when I when he has a responsibility to do something uh, bigger that takes him away from the people he loves, so he can never be there for them, or even worse, puts them in mortal danger. Uh, it starts to get more complex because it's not just a choice of like be selfless. It's totally deny having an existence yourself, Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. Don't have connections. Don't have love. And that's what he's always at the risk of of losing right mm-hmm. uh and this is an instance where he for now he he's got the the memory of may and that he is you know doing right by may and you know possibly ben that's a whole other conversation um so he has that but he has really lost a lot for himself and it is really uh that's the the tragedy of spider-man mm-hmm. that's what makes him compelling and another big part of uh, the this moral, <laughs> fun Spider-Man moral quandary to me is other people's agency. Like, mm-hmm. this often comes up in, in Spider-Man stories and in all the Spider-Man films where the people in his life go, hey, I understood you lied to me and told me that you didn't love me uh, to push me away because you're afraid of me being in danger. Hey, that's my choice. Mm-hmm. And then that kind of, this happens in an entirely different way where MJ and Ned are like, you come and find us right away. There's even that great MJ joke about, because I'll figure it out again. Mm-hmm. And is it that he's being selfless or is there, is he being unfair to them because he is taking away their choice of yeah. whether or not they want to go like, okay, I, I used to know who you are. We used to be close and you're okay. That of course it's going to weird them out, freak them out, maybe mess up with their lives, but that's what they asked for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah. I love how messy it is because mm-hmm. it leaves the door open 
And I think that's the thing for me about what I like about modern superhero stories is they they feel like part of an ongoing tale. Like you don't need to put a huge button on things. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes with like Iron Man, you know, saving the, the world from the great threats he always feared. Great. And Robert Downey Jr. retires from the role. Great. Fine. But like with a young character like uh, Tom Holland, Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. To leave that door open and feel like, yeah, there's possibilities and this isn't entirely clear cut and it is up to the audience, in my opinion, to, to work through some of those ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you touched on this. Another big idea that I wanted to be sure to talk about is just this great uh, notion of you are not alone. Uh, yeah. Spider-Man often feels isolated by his power because it risks the people he loves. Uh, they either do get hurt or he pushes him away. And in this movie, I think kind of the most moving part of it for me, uh, in his darkest hour, MCU Spider-Man really learns that he is not alone by the arrival of uh, Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire Mm Spider-Man. And I think it's so well done that we get some of the surprise and the comedy with MJ and Ned encountering these other Peter Parkers. Uh, And then we have that moment of like they can just suddenly be there for him at his absolute lowest uh, that... And really have that great expression of we know exactly where you've been. We lost, uh, you know, Uncle Ben, uh, the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man lost Gwen Stacy. Um, and he also implies that uh, he's he was trying to to keep it all together, but he lost control and he, he killed the lizard who was his mentor, uh, which doesn't happen in the film. So that's just implied. Uh, Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man did not mean to, but he did kill both <laughs> Norman Osborn and Octo- Otto Octavius, or was, you know, involved in it, both of whom were, were mentors and close. So they have, it's this amazing scene of like, you have a unique problem, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but you're, and you normally feel totally alone in it, but we have been through everything that you're going through the the horror of the loss the guilt that it's your fault the desire for revenge uh but where will revenge get you all of that we know all of that so i guess to you to take kind of to bring it out from the specificity of Mm spider-man what do you feel like is the power of knowing other people have gone through what you have why is that is that a balm to you and if so why Oh my gosh, of course. Um, I mean, I shouldn't say of course. Yes, for me it is. And I love, that's one of my favorite things about this film is that feeling of um, getting to see Spidey not be alone mm-hmm. um, and getting to have that feeling that there are other people as as unlikely uh, as some of your uh, life experiences may be, <laughs> that there are people who do understand. And I mean, it, I think it just... You know, we, my, my thought is that we as humans do crave that, um, that human connection, um, especially in, in those times of uncertainty or great grief, or when we're, you know, very far down, we may not think that we do, but that feeling of that, that we are not all by ourselves is what can help pull us out of those deep wells. Yeah. Yeah wells um yeah so i i find that to be a very moving concept and idea and i love the idea that there's uh you know in the multiverse are there are there other versions of various various ones of us yeah yeah you know and like what are the what are the character traits that 
maybe are shared or oh yeah defining life experiences that are shared yeah let's put a pin in that for a second Mm because i want to follow up on that for sure um yeah i think it to me it's this really powerful idea of when you're at this the kind of the worst moment where your worst fears have come true which Mm -hmm. is what peter parker is going through to feel like there is no way out to have (laughs) two slightly different slightly older versions of you go actually there is you you can get through this it really sucks and i'm so sorry not belittling or downplaying what you're going through but you can get you can get past it and it's not going to be perfect but but you can you know Mm -hmm. um and them giving him the specific idea of like you you can keep fighting for what she believed in and, and you can honor her that way is a it's just a very good like sort of mythic superhero kind of notion but on that personal level just that it is possible to get through this we know because we literally have mm-hmm. <laughs> and we are still working through it honestly you know yeah. as you can see that and i think for me that's such a big deal because i i feel like if somebody watched this film and was not even aware that andrew garfield or toby mcguire had played spider-man before that's the story that's the weight it was fun to cheer when they appeared because it's kind of unbelievable that it's happening. But the value of them being in the film is that mm-hmm. of I am another version of you and I have been in the absolute pit of hell that you're in. And I'm here to tell you, kid, it's going to be hard, but you can get through it. Mm-hmm. I got your back. How is that not emotionally powerful? Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, I completely agree. Uh, let's talk then about what you were bringing up. I wanted to ask you in particular, if you were upset, would you want two versions of you to show up and help you out i mean maybe (laughs) (laughs) right is it i mean when we talk about in the context of the film it's really empowering and then i think when we think about it in our own lives is it maybe suddenly a little i don't know uncanny valley is not quite the right term but is it is there a little bit of existential dread of like i don't want these other sarahs who kind of look like me and kind of act like me to and kind of had the same life experiences uh yeah how would you react to that yeah i mean i think i think that in in a version in a version of this situation that could happen in my life you know i'm not spider-man sorry spoilers um (laughs) but in that version i think i think it would still be comforting to have the slightly different you know versions of life slightly older have been down at the you know the worst moment but have started to you know, but have found their way, started to find their way through, um, you know, what's whatever's going on to know, like, yeah, like the people shining the flashlight, basically. Uh, I think that would be helpful. Yeah. I would like that. Yeah. I think I when I try to really honestly think about it, there is that creepy, weird existential of they look close to me and they've had some life experiences that are very, very similar, but uh, some that are slightly different. Would I find that comforting? I think when I think through the paranoia of like, it's weird to face somebody who is basically you and you know all their strengths and you know all their weaknesses, right? And to feel like I cannot get anything past this person. They know all of my weaknesses. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They know all of my quirks and my fears. And I think what really works about that first encounter is that's where they start. They don't start as like, hey, how you doing? We're, we're all friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. And then like, they're not all sitting there thinking like, did, 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 
do all the other Peter Parkers also feel like they're constantly fighting to not be isolated and alone? Uh, do they also feel a tremendous <laughs> guilt about actually having their loved ones die or every person they get close to as a mentor turns into a supervillain and kills them? And it's probably their fault. And no matter what I do, it's not good enough. Do all the Peter Parkers feel that? Like the fact that they start there. Yeah. They start with the Peter Parker group therapy session of like, what's the darkest, worst thing? <laughs> and then they can build to enjoying like all the like weird similarities and differences. Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. And I feel like that's where it needs to start for it to work. Yeah. And I think for me that that was a, an interesting discovery going through this game of like, yeah, no, I'd have to get everybody to say like, <laughs> what's your greatest fear? Other Joseph. Mm-hmm. OK, good. OK. <laughs> OK. Now I feel comfortable. Mm hmm. Uh, you also brought this up, uh, and I want to take a little closer look at it. This just big idea of second chances. It goes along with what we're talking about with great power comes great responsibility. But in specific, this really big idea of you can keep trying to make something right. Like, I feel like the whole plot is really kicked off by Tom Holland, Spidey, kind of after a second chance by making the world forget his identity. Uh, he, he's looking for a reset, literally. Um, Obviously, a huge amount of the plot is Aunt May literally wants to give all the villains a second chance, not just send them back to their death, but give them a chance to be healed, be the best versions of themselves. Um, Tobey Maguire gets a second chance at at uh, saving his mentors. You brought up that great line of I have a long time to think about the cure talking about Norman Osborn. Get that great moment where his mentor, Otto Octavius, is back and asks him how he's been going, how mm-hmm. it's been going. And he's got that really honest middle aged answer of like, it's going. I'm trying. It's so <laughs> honest. It's not like I figured everything out, but he he gets that second chance to reconnect with Otto, and Otto gets that uh, second chance. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the the things that really brought a, a, a tear to my eye is um, we have that moment where uh, MJ is falling, and it is shot the same way as uh, Gwen Stacy falling in Amazing Spider-Man Two, and in Andrew Garfield Spider-Man gets that. It's not exactly a second chance because it's not Gwen Stacy, mm-hmm. but it is that character is still clearly torn up about that failure and him being the one who gets to bring MJ to safety in that moment is, is a, feels like a real second chance and a really like what that, what that Peter Parker needs. Absolutely. So that's incredibly moving to me. So there are all these ideas about second chances. And I just wanted to ask you about that is, is a message. How do you feel about the message of second chances? Is it hopeful? Is it kind? Is there a part of you that goes, this is a nice myth, but it doesn't translate to real life. Is it naive? How do you feel about it? Mm, yeah. You know, I think I like the um, the Andrew Garfield example because it's not a, a do-over. You know, I don't feel like we don't necessarily, most of us get entire do-overs. Um, most of us probably can't travel in time mm-hmm. <laughs> and have that option. But but the option that you can make changes going forward mm-hmm. and... And just because something went poorly one time doesn't mean they always will. Mm-hmm. And that idea kind of, again, of moving forward, I, I like that idea. Um, I, I thought that was a really good and, tact- and skillful way of um, pulling, pulling out the idea of things coming up in life that can help you move past some of, some of what's stopping you. Yeah, yeah. And if he had just stopped after he lost Gwen... He wouldn't have been there for MJ. Yeah, that's really powerful. I think for me, um, I think I have a couple of thoughts about it. I absolutely loved that the mission of this huge blockbuster, punch him up, CGI, 
movie, which that's a part of what these movies are. Nobody's hiding, hiding that. That's a part of the appeal. Mm-hmm. Um, that the message is save them. Our goal is not to beat them. Our goal is not to cage them. If we absolutely have to, we will try to capture them. Mm-hmm. But our entire goal is to reach out and help them. That's huge. And that is so important to have that as a message in one of the biggest films ever made, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of box office. I also feel like it's got this rich um, meta text to me that, again, can't be manufactured. It has to be built by culture and time. This is a chain. It, this reflects the, how the, the story of superheroes has changed. In the comics, you know, every once in a while a character or villain dies, but they come back. Um, but in general, it's like it's the, they are locked in this mythic ongoing struggle. The villains and the heroes represent different things, and they're locked in this ongoing battle. Mm-hmm. But I mean, superheroes movies started to really finally take off and work with, you know, uh, Batman and, and Spider-Man. They just kill the villains left and right because the villains are like, it's Jack Nicholson for one movie, but then he dies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even Spider-Man being closer to the comics starts to follow this of like, eh, that was the thing where like, they're not like the comics. They, the villains there once, they don't come back. They don't have a long <laughs> relationship. This isn't, oh, Green Goblin got out again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is, he died. So we had this thing in culture where superheroes mean the death of the enemy. Mm-hmm. And often in a way where like the hero tries to save them, but they're killed by their own hubris, which is you know a little bit of the Spider-Man model. But it's still death, 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 death. Yeah. So the fact that this was a look back of like, look, we've changed in the kind of stories we tell and what therefore what superheroes mean in pop culture. They don't mean a zero sum game where the hero wins and the villain dies. It is an ongoing relationship and it is it's just so much more affirming of like I it's also to me it uh, it is like um you hear this uh, joke slash critique about Batman in particular all the time of like, uh, Bruce Wayne is wealthy. Why doesn't he just, you know, do invest in the city, invest in social services instead of going and, you know, beating up uh, people who uh, aren't, aren't doing well. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and a part of that is, you know, in, in comics, in cartoons, and he often does. It's in the movies. He, he's doing both. He's always, you know, trying to help. Uh, people every way he can uh in the movies it's with the dark armored batman it is often like i punch them and i try to save them but whoops i dropped them and they're dead <laughs> like so the popular imagination of batman mm-hmm. is that but this movie is just like it's an answer to that criticism of why don't they ever try to help the villains why do they just mm-hmm. beat them up and like not not one of those three spider-man except for uh you know well tom holland's going through some rage issues but besides that the goal isn't to punch them. The goal is to help them. And it is it just flips the script mm-hmm. on superhero movies in, in a huge way. Mm, yeah. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. And I also feel like um, in terms of like looking at it, is it, is it naive? Like um, I feel like the message of a second chance is so, so beautiful. But then I want to be aware that sometimes like in real life, you have people in your life who are abusive to you and you give them every opportunity to change and they don't. And at mm-hmm. some point it is not your responsibility to keep trying. Right. Right. So like, I always want to be mindful of people in those real life situations and not just be like, you should always try to give them like, um, but I feel like the spirit of this movie is 
for Spider-Man to be Spider-Man, for him to have absorbed the lessons of his Uncle Ben and his Aunt May, he has to at least try. Mm-hmm. And in this instance, it worked, mm-hmm. you know, uh, through him taking huge risks, through uh, his scientific knowledge, through him, through pushing past his rage in, in trying to be a better person, it worked. But the the more important thing is that he tried, right? Mm-hmm. And I could see a version of this story where, yeah, the, the cure doesn't work on on Norman. <laughs> it just, it doesn't. And and we have to contain him so he doesn't hurt other people. And I think that would be, you know, a, a legitimate way to tell that story. But I like that this was so beautiful of like, yeah, this, this guy injected himself with, <laughs> you know, an experimental drug. Mm-hmm. And we found a way to scientifically counteract that. And for once, you know, no nobody dies. Mm-hmm. It's is really beautiful to me in this sort of mythic superhero wor- world. Yeah, yeah, and that's such a good point about how it is so so different from what we've been seeing up to this point. Yeah, and I mean, there's been less of that in the MCU and even you know DC movies because now they there's value in the longevity of mm-hmm. of characters. But it was a big thing for a long time. So to see it just kind of answered and almost it's almost like the uh, theme of second chances is being extended two superhero films themselves. <laughs> um, last thing I wanted to, to talk about in terms of big ideas is, uh, you know, the tragedy of Spider-Man. Spidey in this film, uh, the MCU Spider-Man does end up alone. Uh, he doesn't have a friend. Uh, he doesn't have his girlfriend. Uh, Aunt May isn't around. Um, the people that he did have in his life, like Doctor Strange and Happy Hogan, don't uh, remember who he is. He doesn't have any Stark tech. Uh, he just has a police scanner, an awesome homemade costume, and a book about getting his GED, and probably most importantly, a desire to help people. How did you feel about that? The ending of that film did it end? Mm. Did that feel right to you? Did it feel uplifting? Did it feel tragic? What did it feel to you? I mean, I oh, um, I'm trying to put it into words. It it really, it didn't feel tragic. I don't know if it felt uplifting. I mean, it it feels uplifting when he goes out in his shiny blue suit to <laughs> go help people. To go help people, I think it felt like he had through all of these, the ups and the downs um, and all of these experiences, he found some of his own clarity. And so it is him pursuing, you know, kind of following his clear version of what's next for him. Yeah. And this is what's next for right now. And maybe he'll team up with other Avengers. Maybe he'll, you know, find the same friends and have them figure out who he is. Maybe he'll find new friends. We'll find out. Yeah. But I feel like he kind of, it's that like he, um, you know, kind of his, he boiled down kind of, here's what's most important to me right now is Aunt May is gone. I can't change that. My friends will see. My girlfriend will will see. Tech will see. (laughs) (laughs) Costume got it. Yeah. Uh and and what's important is coming back to Aunt May's for him, Aunt May's line of with great power comes great responsibility. So he's back out there, he's being the friendly neighbor at Spider Man. Mm-hmm. And that is that's his goal. Yeah. And he's living that goal. He's living that life. And so to me that is positive and uplifting. I think so too. I think even though you could look at it as it is tragic, it it feels uplifting and it feels like it it's just the um 
this great uh, summation of Spider-Man. The MCU Spider-Man has been different because he is literally born into this world of uh, high tech and he has all these uh, superheroes to look up to and putting on a costume isn't that weird because he sees people do it all the time and right. <laughs> celebrated in pop culture for doing it in his world. And he's got all the cool tech of, of Tony Stark and fans over the years have kind of grumbled about that of like, yeah, but he's like, he, he's not supposed to be Iron Man Jr. He's Spider-Man, you know, but these three films uh, are... They work so well. I don't feel like this film overshadows Tom Holland, no. Spider-Man, Goodness because God. it's been his journey through high school of, I want all these connections to the other kids. I want to be liked. I want to go to the to homecoming dance. I want to be an Avenger. I want to be in a big time. Like, no, I just want to go on a summer vacation, spend some time with my girlfriend. He, he wants all these things in what he, that are natural for people to want as they're growing up. And then, yeah, he comes kind of into his own by being stripped of like I don't have any mentors I don't have any fancy tech I have the traditional Peter Parker crappy apartment (laughs) (laughs) and that is all I need and it it feels like Spider-Man has always been a little bit more grounded he's not a glamour character Mm -hmm. it is not glamorous to be Spider-Man and it feels like here's this kid who grew up and like I have grown up. I now the training wheels are off. I understand life in the world. And one of the things about it is it's really hard and you do your best. And that's who your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man is. A guy who's really having a hard time, (laughs) but still does his best, Mm -hmm. you know, at at least for a lot of his stories. And for that being the end beat of of where he is of like, I kind of made it. I'm an adult. I'm fully formed. I'm going to go out there and do my best. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm making my Aunt May proud, and every time I feel bad, I can think about that. Yeah, it's really, really beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. And also, like he, he really knows he is not alone in the multiverse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's. I want to talk a little bit about the comedy of Spider-Man too, because of all of the, everything we're talking about with the big ideas, you could think that this is a heavy, dark film. Um, if you just read the synopsis, you'd be like, "Wow, that is the." darkest crap i've ever heard <laughs> but the film is incredibly funny right mm, like just so funny. a ton of laugh lines a ton of joyful moments so were there any particular uh funny moments that you remembered i know that uh we saw this movie a, a million lifetimes ago but anything that you wanted to shout out yeah so um one thing i'm just gonna shout out in general i laughed a lot i laughed very hard a lot I'm not going to remember where most of those times were. Fair enough. Um, but one that I enjoyed was uh, when the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man jumps through and uh, they're like, uh, MJ and Ned are like, prove it. You're not. And he just tries to just, or he doesn't try. He tries to prove it by jumping up and touching the ceiling and they're like, not good enough. <laughs> and then I love um, Ned's mom, is it? Come, yeah, I, Ned, I, don't, I can't I remember know. what the relationship okay. is there, but yeah, that's relative coming in being like, "There's a cobweb over there. Please get, <laughs> get that. the cobweb." <laughs> yeah, it's it's he does that. It's such a great layer of joke of like, prove it. And he does that just really understated, which is really to Andrew Garfield's comic style, and just hangs with the one hand. And I think mm-hmm. it's MJ in particular says, "Crawl around." Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely uh, hilarious. Um, a, a couple for me, I really like uh, after trying to do this huge spell. That Doctor Strange does, which I think he does out of just real affinity for this kid, right? And for knowing what he's been through of like, he went to space and tried to fight Thanos, you know? 
and got dusted and came back and fought again. Like this, this, in this, and he's a kid, mm. and he was attached to Tony, and that asshole's gone now from Doctor Strange's perspective. <laughs> he he respects him and all that. So uh, I really liked their relationship with the spell, but then after it, when uh, Doctor Strange realizes that Peter didn't even ask the college to reconsider. That is such a real life. Like you, you did what crazy thing? Did you know you could just call tech support? And like <laughs> it's so, it's so real world. Yeah, it's so good. And how Maddie gets of like, ah, I was thinking of you as so mature, and you just didn't think of the obvious thing. You jumped <laughs> to cast a spell instead of asking them to reconsider. You're such a kid. <laughs> exactly. Oh, um, there, there are so many beats uh, with the uh, all the Peter Parkers. They didn't leave anything on the table, which I thought was so great. But one of my favorite that just showed who they are in that they are all very similar was when they're they're working in the lab. There's a million great jokes. Uh, but when Ned has found something on the computer and he's trying to talk to Tom Holland, he's like, Peter. And they go, yeah. And then they all apologize <laughs> at the same time for, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to step on. Like, it's so nice and so gentle and kind. Mm-hmm. And it just shows you that's the core of who this person is, regardless of the universe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I really liked all of the stuff around uh, when Ned is asking uh, Tommy McGuire, Spider-Man, uh, hey, did, do you have a, a best friend? <laughs> He's like, yep. He turned into a supervillain and tried to kill me. And the long, awkward looks between them. And then when Ned comes over it, without context and tells uh, Tom Holland, Spider-Man, I'm not going to turn into a villain and try to kill you (laughs) (laughs) out of context. It was uh, so funny. Um, Just a couple more for me. Um, I really liked a lot of the same things with just letting uh, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man be older and be like, yeah, I'm Mm -hmm. middle-aged. I'm still doing this. The back pain. It's a meta joke because Tobey Maguire famously had back problems uh, during the Spider-Man films. Uh, That was great. Uh, But I also really liked the, the, when they really needed to, give a a encouraging speech to Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man. There's like the, the meta joke of telling him he's amazing Mm -hmm. uh, because he's in the films. Amazing Spider-Man, obviously. Uh, But he's, he's kind of in this, like Tobey Maguire's kind of made it to like, I've, I've stabilized. It's not great. There's always gonna be tragedy, but I kind of got my life as together as ever going to be. Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man. Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man. Yeah. And Andrew (laughs) Garfield, Spider-Man, you know, is still a little bit more rocky. Mm-hmm. He Andrew Garfield famously loved Spider-Man, loved being Spider-Man, and was bummed that the movies uh, weren't as well-received, mm-hmm. right? So this is a real validation for him, too. So there's all these layers. But then just for the... If you knew none of that and cared about none of that, it's such a great connection when... I, I'm paraphrasing when Tobey Maguire is like, I think, yeah, I think that's just, I think that's just, you're, you're, t- you're talking bad to yourself, right? <laughs> it's just like it accurately, you know, understanding like you're doing a lot of negative self-talk and that they both just talk about like, yeah, you're amazing. You're amazing. It's <laughs> really funny and, uh, and really moving. Um, two other things for me, uh, the, the web shooting talk that that was one of the big changes in the Tobey Maguire films that he didn't make the web shooters out of a uh, scientific acumen, but they shot out of his body and, it was just really fun to see on screen jokes that nerds have been making for years. It's just, you couldn't leave that on the table of, I'm going, wow, wow. It's just, it's different. I, that, I can't do, does it come out of any other part of your body? All that stuff. Great. Yeah. I, I just need to jump in. I also loved that. Yay. Good. Please, yeah. please jump in. 
wherever you want. Again, here, here's the uh, the final one for me is uh, I loved uh, structurally that they did give this real kind of hero moment to uh, to Tom Holland to be like, I'm not going to be down on myself. I actually do know how to work in a group because I've done it. <laughs> and we're we're not yeah. we're not working together and that's what's going on we need to work together and i'm kind of the youngest one and i kind of feel bad saying it but uh i gotta do it so it's got that that uh kindness and that like i don't want i want i don't want to step on anybody's toes but then when he has the sort of the brag of like you know i i mean i i've been in the avengers and they're like oh awesome the avengers what is that are you in a band <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's really really funny just from the different perception and from that evolution of superhero films yeah I'm like yeah we, we're totally alone in our universe no mcu <laughs> yeah no that that is such a such a great moment all of those yeah were there any other moments then that you wanted to mention or highlight uh action sadness moving uh, anything you want yeah so one other um that i in addition to the to the, the web conversation um I also loved when all three um, Peter Parker's, they're like, okay, this is what we're going to do. And they're in, I don't remember what the space was. And they just all go start doing their sciency things. Yeah. Like there's no talking <laughs> about it. They just all, they kind of divvy up who's doing what. Yeah. But that moment of like, oh, right. They're all Peter Parker. They're all really, really good at this. Yeah. Um. So I, I loved just that not talking about it just going and doing the thing they're really good at yeah just all being science nerds together yeah yeah i just it made me very happy um i loved uh just kind of as a moment of ned's discovery of his ability to open the portals yeah and the playing with that and then of the not knowing how to close it yeah (laughs) (laughs) was was absolutely great and then this is one that just kind of came to me right now and um as we were talking about that, but speaking about kind of the the science when um, when Tom Holland is stuck in the uh, oh in the mirror, the mirror universe, yeah. and he's like, I don't know what this is, but I'm really good at math, and I can see. I think it was a Fibonacci spiral, and he's like, and I can put those you know pieces together and blah blah blah, blah and make it work, and then it worked, and I was like, oh, it was a really great uh, to me a really great showing of his skills being used in a different way to solve a problem. Yeah, right. Especially in this one, you know, we don't see, like you said, like there've been a lot of tech and we see him with the Avengers and and all of that. And so to see him actually just be like, no, this is how it works. And I'm going to use my, you know, web fluid and here we go. And yeah, that I was just, I'd love to that moment. I love that. There's something about Doctor Strange and Spidey working together that Mm -hmm. it really is fun and feels like the comics. It's one of my favorite action beats in uh, Infinity War is when Spidey's jumping through the portals in in hitting Thanos right? <laughs> and Strangers creating their portals for him. So to see them fight and to understand the the two different perspectives are coming from, I love that even being pushed out of his body, he's still connected to it with the spider sense. So it's dodging. That's great. <laughs> but then going into that dimension, that is just so, so comic book. That's the value of having these characters together of like, it's the kind of on the playground or in a bar if you're older that's the conversation. Like, who wins in a fight, Doctor Strange or Spider-Man? Who's more powerful? And the answer in comics is always like, well, either of them can win depending on what's going on, where they're at, narratively, what you know makes sense in this moment. It's mm-hmm. not a blank slate. And Spider-Man is so motivated, and he taps into this other skill set, yeah. and he wins in a situation where you think would think like, well, yo, yo, Doctor Strange has got him, and it's so comic book to be like, nope. 
he he used his math skills and he trapped him there. Mm-hmm. So cool. Yeah. It looked visually amazing and was, yeah, uh, just great. Yeah. Absolutely great. Yeah, that was fantastic. And if I may just share a personal detail. Please. So we are sitting here recording. We still have our Christmas tree up. Uh-huh. And as we were talking uh, in the middle of this, I suddenly realized that I can see just, uh, we have a little ornament of Doctor Strange, uh, just Doctor Strange's head peering over a branch oh did you like that when i lost that fight (laughs) says dr strange (laughs) that's great um another thing that you mentioned as soon as we left the theater uh love that detail of this uh weird moment that's going on in mcu where they're really uh well people are really uh canonizing and profiting off of old steve rogers with there's billboards for rogers the musical they're adding Mm -hmm. cap shield to the statue of liberty but then at this big pivotal fight of kind of be your best self where Tom Holland almost gives into his rage is happening on Cap's shield. Yeah, that is one of my favorite parts also. Yeah, and I was wondering if it was just going to be like, that's kind of in the background if you want to appreciate it, you know, and I think that was right to not kind of point it. Nobody had the relationship to point it out of like, is this what Cap would want? It'd be kind of like weird, but Mm -hmm. it is within that where you know that Cap would be like, you know, Cap has gone through this, right? With like, with Bucky, like wanting to kill him, and Cap just being like, "No, uh, I'm, I'm gonna fight for you, no matter what." Mm-hmm. You know, he's been in these kind of horrible positions where he could have easily given into rage or anger, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's so, um, yet again, comes back to that main theme of you know responsibility and power, which I feel like is always one of uh, the themes for Captain America as well. So to have it represented without any words just being there for people who want to pick up on it yeah and in the fact that i think andrew garfield really had that sort of um validating moment of of saving mj um and i feel like you know toby mcguire spider-man really had that validating moment of you know it's there's the the glider that stabbed norman osborne in 2002 spider-man film to have to toby mcguire be like no mm-hmm. and get stabbed for his efforts Yep. And I, I was frightened that he was going to die. I was terrified. I was I was terrified. I was like, okay, well, fair enough, you know, but uh, uh, too bad. And so then I really liked that. Then it became like, no, he's grievously injured. But I liked that then comedy beat of like, he he and Andrew Garfield are standing there and Andrew Garfield's friend is like, so, uh, so you're in pain? Like, yeah, very, very bad. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, but yeah, still a great moment that was all happening on on Cap Shield, and I think that also gave it weight because if halfway through the film, you know, Tom Holland had been like, right, I gotta follow Aunt May, but like, yeah, how, how, how he wouldn't be human if he wasn't tempted, right, to just get revenge, right, and right. So needing that extra help from the other Spider Man to be like, it, it won't get you anything. You don't want this. Mm-hmm. is really great yeah yeah um a, a really fun detail i think when you're pulling together these different characters uh electro in amazing spider-man 2 is pulls energy from everything so seeing the arc reactor and having that who <laughs> oh, uh most of the mcu is predicated on how powerful that is <laughs> yep <laughs> and having electro go ooh, like oh man that's so, it, yeah that's great uh final thing for me uh, is a huge cheer in the theater uh, that moment, uh, there's a lot of moments where they all kind of land together, pose together, but that moment where they really are united in the three Spider-Men jumping into the fight together. Yeah. And again, it, it, you know, it is cool because of real world things uh, in our relationships with these films. But it, it, to me, it's so powerful. Like these three guys were often alone 
and they just aren't right now. And that's and, and they're doing something good. They're trying to save the bad guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. No, that was that was the moment. Yep, absolutely great moment. Uh, any other thoughts before we move on to wrapping up? Um, I I am sure there are, but I I will leave it there for okay, now. Okay, fair enough. So, can I ask you to make a noise to sum up your interest in Spider-Man: No Way Home? Yes. <laughs> Was that the the noise? Yep. Is that uh, just it's your reaction to the just film? Just excitement. Yeah. Yep. Yes. I think I made that noise a couple times mm-hmm. in in the theater. On a scale of one to ten, uh, one being the lowest, ten being the highest, where would you uh, rate your your interest level in this movie? Mm, I mean. Right now, probably maybe even an eight. Yeah. Uh, specifically with this film, specifically right now. Yeah, I think I would go as far as an eight. It really made me, um, I've enjoyed all of the, the Spider-Man films with Tom Holland, but it made me appreciate Tom Holland's, these three films even more. And it made me just kind of want to uh, spend some more time in in the great uh, world of Spider-Man. I watched some more animated uh, episodes of old old shows I liked and thought about uh, digging out some of my old comic book runs. And it really got me excited about just the the style of in the storytelling of Spider-Man. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Can I thought of one other yeah, thing? Yeah, please. Can I add one other thing? I loved bringing in um, Daredevil. Oh, yeah, right? Yeah. And that, like, to me, when that came out, I was like, this is it because you had said said something to me before you're like you don't know anything about this film right i was like no so i was like oh this is it this is the big reveal daredevil's in it <laughs> this is the big and secret I was like i i think i like punched you like yeah, yeah. uh which and saying the yes made me think of that and i uh another great comedy moment is when he catches the brick He's yeah like, i'm a really good lawyer yeah, because and you know, yeah, it's right. Right now, there there are no announcements. Tom Holland said a kind of cryptic thing of like, "Yeah, I shouldn't be playing Spider Man forever," and you know, maybe Miles Morales should be in live action. And then uh, Sony powerhouse uh, Amy Pascal is like, "No, we're doing three more movies. It's going to be him in college." <laughs> so like, <laughs> we really don't know is the general public what's going to happen. Uh, and if it was just these three movies, I'd be happy. But it is poised to be like, okay, he doesn't have a deep relationship uh, with. Um, with Daredevil, right? But he can go to him, mm-hmm. and they can start having a little uh, conversation. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, the the catching the brick, and I'm just a really good lawyer. That was great, absolutely great. All right, we're gonna move on to our plugs. Uh, where can people find you? Mm, I am on Twitter at Sarah underscore Scrimshaw. Excellent. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook is at Obsessed Podcast. You can also check out the Star Wars podcast I co-host that is called Force Center, and we are excitedly digging into Book of Boba Fett. For info on all my upcoming shows and comedy albums, uh, they will uh, upcome again. <laughs> you can check out my website at josephscrimshaw.com. You can also support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon. Full info on that, go to patreon.com slash josephscrimshaw. Here are our final questions. If you could fly, Sarah, but only at about five miles an hour, would you still like to fly? Yes. <laughs> fair. Fair. Absolutely fair. Uh, if you could ask Doctor Strange to cast a spell for you, what would you ask for? Ooh, to be able to fly. <laughs> would you specify uh, the speed? Um, no, I'm open. I mean, I, I would enjoy going faster than five miles an hour, but that sounds like a nice steady, you know, maybe wouldn't get... I wear contacts and have lots of problems getting, you know, little particles in my contacts. So, uh, you know, I I realize that there are things like, uh, you know, um, 
what are they goggles goggles <laughs> binoculars no that's wrong um yeah i think i'm gonna ask dr strange to. that's true every superhero who can fly uh in isn't wearing goggles also have uh some kind of a super eyes apparently mm-hmm. to not get any grit in there comes with the territory so yeah <laughs> i mean goodness super eyes and flying yeah yeah, double whammy. Take it. I'll take yeah, it. I think I would risk uh, doing exactly what Peter Parker did. Is like I, I just want to fly uh, f- fast. It, it's super eyes too, and then <laughs> and mess up the whole spell. Final question, as always, is what is happiness? Happiness is uh, knowing that you are not alone. Ah, that is absolutely beautiful. Thank you so much for talking with me about Spider-Man: No Way Home. Uh, thank you all for listening. That is our podcast. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. So for our post-credits little scene here, uh, there was also the post-credits scene where the Venom, who comes from the universe of Sony, uh, was briefly there for fun and comedy, uh, but then did dribble a little bit of alien symbiote. Do you have any emotions about that? I had confusion about that. <laughs> Did you see, oh no, uh, a drip of black goo, that's going to be trouble for Peter Parker. I, I knew it would be a trouble for the MCU. So I was like, <laughs> here comes trouble. <laughs> here comes trouble. Uh, if the movie was called Spider-Man, here comes trouble, would you be excited to see it? Of course. There you go. Spider-Man versus Venom in Here Comes Trouble.